All right. Romans 12, verse 1. And when I do the Bible readings, I make sure I give myself just one verse to read. So if you feel free to continue to read till the end of the chapter if you want. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, one question I had for you right off the bat was, how is your New Year's resolutions going? Anyone? Anyone? Excellent. Do we have a couple? We got one? Yep. Anyone else? New Year's resolution? Yeah, good? Very good. That's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Shut up. Uh, No, New Year's resolutions. That's good. Um, Mine's not going so well, but we're getting there. We're we're trying. Uh, Eat less um, and walk more, but we're getting there. Um, It says that you know, about 80% of the people who have a New Year's resolution give up on it before February. So if you're holding on, uh, you're doing really, really well. And it's, it's interesting that we, we have these best goals in mind, that you have, you know what you need to do. No one, no one here is surprised that if you want to have a happier, wonderful life, you need to do these set of things eat well, pray more, get connected to church or community, all those things we know, but it's so easy for us to fall back into our old vices and our old patterns of life. So for me, I I see what we just read as not a New Year's resolution, but something more, and I think we often try to take, you know, oh, this week I'm going to really just read the Bible, but by the end of the week, you haven't cracked the Bible open at once. And we're not here for legalism. We're not here for a set of rules. We're set here, here for a relationship. And so we'll read what Paul said to the Romans to understand the relationship that he's talking about today. My main goal today is to kind of overview the idea of sacrifice. And from the Israelite perspective, our sacrifice is not what they would understand as sacrifice to um, do an analysis of Romans 12, verse 1. Again, you know, your, your pastors look at 16 verses and all that. I'm a simple man. I'm going to do one verse at a time, and we'll get there someday. <laughs> I'm relying on you to do a lot of work outside of church. Um, so I really, really appreciate um, my, my mom and dad. They, they help me out with my sermons a lot. Um, so if you see the little picture, it's, it's kind of hard. If you need uh, this in your notes, I'll speak really, really slowly. Um, but that's her study Bible and her blanket at, at the top. So I just kind of grabbed the picture and, and put it on. Um, in the time before Jesus and in the time of Jesus, sacrifice was a way of life. You would go to the temple, not to your church, to the temple or the synagogue, and you would sacrifice for the Lord. Now, you had a lot of reasons to sacrifice. One was your burnt offering. This was voluntary. Right? You would have a burnt offering um, 
It's for an atonement of an unintentional sin, something that you did wrong that you felt that you needed to make right with Christ. In this, the sacrifice was pure. It was the best. It was not broken. It was not maimed. It was the best that you had to offer. And every offering was a little bit different. If you were really wealthy, you brought cows. If you were poor, you brought a handful of flour. So your offering was dependent on who you were. Also, um, you had your grain offering. Again, a grain offering would, would be more like your flour. And this is a recognize, to recognize God's goodness and provisions. So again, these, these sacrifices were, were tied into the very like persona and, and the culture of that day. Now, when we think of sacrifice, sacrifice for us is an inconvenience. Oh, I had to go to my mother's in-laws for Christmas again. That's an inconvenience. Now, are we, Michael, are we on Facebook today or no? Not today, okay. Yeah, good, good. No, I love Cindy. She's a, she's a wonderful person. She's going to be here next month. So when you see her, say hello. No, it's, it's um, when we are, we're seeing sacrifice. It's your time, your effort. It's, it's nothing more than that. There's no blood involved. There's no guts involved. It's just something you have to take a sidestep out of your way, do it, and then go back to what you were normally doing. Well, in the Old Testament... A sacrifice was so much more than that. There was blood involved. There was the giving of your property. There was something that would actually hurt. Not, not a lot would you have lamb or, or beef. And so to give a lamb or to give beef was really, really big. Um, yeah, I can see what you're saying. You just got to have them there and not, yeah, just changing stuff. Anyhow, uh, the fellowship offering is something that you would take with somebody else, and you would be celebrating. Again, some of a portion would go to the Levites, to the priests, but you would celebrate that with something, with someone else. The sin offering was mandatory. All the others were optional or voluntary. You'd do that if you felt the need to. Um, Again, comparing the New Testament to the Old Testament, our Old Testament, your sin, your atonement, your able to solve was in your own hands. So if you wanted to make right with God, you'd go to the temple. It was in your hands. In the New Testament, it's different. All right, and we'll get to that in just a bit. And then also, just because we're here, guilt offering was also mandatory. And it was when you would give a ram or a goat, or sorry, lamb or a ram or a lamb. Careful reading that. So those were the Old Testament um, sacrifices that they would make. And to try to get us on the same page, you are here. All right? You have Betsy with you. Betsy is the best sheep that you have in your stock, and you are taking Betsy to a two, three, four-day journey to Jerusalem. And on the way, you have to sleep with Betsy because it's cold at night. You feed Betsy. You walk with Betsy all the way in. Now you see Jerusalem in the temple way off. You see that 
smoke billowing from afar off. And then you join the crowd and you wait for your turn. And you're hearing these animals cry out the whole time. And you're amongst that. That's something that you have planned to do. And you know that Betsy is not going to make the journey back home. All right. And then you go to the altar. The Levite priest welcomes you. And then Betsy is sacrificed. That is what sacrifice meant to somebody in Rome, where, the, where Paul wrote this letter. Now, Rome was a growing church. It was, a, a, you know, like Melbourne. Everyone was there, a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different people. And so he, Paul is writing to both Jews and Gentiles alike. And in this, he's trying to get this idea of a living sacrifice, who they were, and what they wanted to be in Christ. Um, I think one thing, too, that I, I didn't mention is when you sacrifice in this idea, it was not just a reminder in your head. It was a visual, an auditory, olfactory. You would smell and hear and, and sometimes taste animals. And so it, it, it was a reminder that this was what you deserved, this sin that you had in your life, there needed to be a, an atonement, uh, something to make right. And the animal was that price that was paid. And so when you're done with all of that, you walk home and you feel better that what you just did made you right with God. And that you know that in a year or earlier, you would have to go back and do this again. That your sin sacrifice was one time, but it needed to be repeated upon the next year. And so for them, when, when and Paul is writing to the Roman church, he's writing to have that idea of sacrifice well in place in their minds. Sacrifice was not living. It was something that was living that went to dead. Now, when we go to 1 Peter, it says, Therefore, with your minds that are alert and fully sober, let your hope on the grace also be brought to you with Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who came called you holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. We are now that living sacrifice. We have been set apart like the animals that was set apart in the Old Testament. We are the holy sacrifice that God is asking, that is Paul is asking of us. So how does that look? How, how do we transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament to today? How can we be that living sacrifice? How can we live in such a way that it's not just a New Year's resolution, but in fact a lifestyle? This, this was my thinking, my sporadic thinking for today's sermon. Um, and what I tried to do is just, again, focus on that one verse of Romans 12, verse 1, and, and put everything else aside and, and then build upon that later. All right? When I did this, this is kind of my notes for today. Um, I encourage you to do this, too, with your Bible. I, I only have one verse, like I said. When you go out, you can have more verses. But really try to pick apart what's there, 
pick apart what the author is saying to the church, pick apart um, what are the key words when you're reading your Bible, and what is being repeated. Um, the ver- therefore is a change statement. So it's changing for what was going to be to what is, and I urge you. Paul is not telling the church to wait. This is something that needs to happen now. It is important to do. Brothers and sisters, I, th- I saw that as a, a compassionate, loving statement. You know, Paul is, in a lot of ways, hits the reader with some pretty heavy information, and brothers and sisters almost softens that blow a little bit. I read that in view of God's mercy, and I think that's such a key piece. I read over it a couple of times, and I've missed that. In, in view of God's mercy, why is God so merciful? What do we actually deserve? Death on the cross ourselves, damnation, separation from God. So when it says, in view of God's mercy for our lives, we all know what we deserve, but God has given us something that's different than what we deserve, a gift. And in that, that is the fuel that drives you to this change, this transformation. You know, your New Year's resolution is fueled by your own stamina, your own doing. But your relationship, your love with Christ, that is what's fueling this. Um, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, we see body as a person. Just here, here am I, a person, a body. But it's more than that. It's what I own and who I am as I go. And I'll talk about that more in just a bit. As holy and pleasing to God. And one thing I, I wrote off to the side is sacrifices in the Old Testament were holy. They were set apart. They had a purpose. And I looked at myself and I said, how can I be a holy sacrifice? What makes me holy? Because so often when I, I get the opportunity to talk up here, I don't feel holy. I don't feel set apart. And what I just read in Peter, you are holy. Because it's not yourself, but who you are attached to. You are attached to Christ. And because Christ is holy, you are holy. And we play this game in our minds of, oh, you know, I, I did this, so I, I can't serve God. Or I did that, and I, I can't serve it. No, no, no. If you have a relationship with Christ, you are ready to serve. You're ready to do what Christ has for you. And you attach yourself to one master, God or sin. Going on, it says pleasing. So often it says when, when Christ would have these aroma, you know, it's kind of like burning bacon. You know, these, they, would, they would cut up these offerings and when they burn it, it would smell like a, a nice roast or, or bacon or something. And it's like, oh, it's delicious. But that's the worship that you do when you are serving the Lord is that nice, beautiful smell or aroma that goes to the Lord. Um, and then it goes on to say, this is your true, proper worship. Do not be conformed by the pattern of this world. And another way to think about to be conformed, it's kind of like squished into a mold. And you have something that you want to fit uh, in like a press, and you have to squeeze it in. And Paul is telling you, do not be squeezed in by this world. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little bit of be different, be set apart, stand out, because you are not supposed to be just another face in the crowd. 
by what you do every day should stand out. It should represent or should follow its way back to Christ. But to be transformed. Transformed there in the Hebrew, and I don't try to do this a lot, but is metamorphous. It's a holistic change. You think of a butterfly changing from one thing completely into something else. And that's what Paul is talking to. He wants that by your living sacrifice, you're continually going to Christ on the cross will transform you. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. One thing I wrote off to the side is this inquiry, or inquiry, iniquity, sorry. Inquiries in science, iniquities in church, so we got to make sure we get those. Um, is a bias towards sin. And that's why this is so important. Um, has anybody done lawn balls recently, or does it often? Yes, no. Does anybody have a set of lawn balls? I should have talked to you. Sorry, Dave. I really needed that today. Well, anyhow, lawn ball. If you ever rolled a lawn ball, it goes off to the side. It's not a straight shot. If I had a golf ball and I rolled it, it goes straight up the middle. There's nothing inside that ball. I'm not, I'm not talking about putting, Pat. I'm not talking about putting. If I roll it with my hand, it should roll. Thanks, Pat. Uh, it should roll straight up the middle. All right, it should go right towards the end goal. But a, a lawn ball has something into it. It's off weight to go into a direction. That's the iniquity of the ball. We all have iniquity. We all have the desire to see, oh, that's what the world is doing. That's what I want to be doing. That's what the world is doing. That's what I wanted to be doing. We all have that desire inside of our hearts to go off of God's plan. And it is this, what Paul is telling us, to be a living sacrifice. Now, when he's saying being a living sacrifice, again, in Old Testament, it was done and dusted, dead, gone. I could take care of it. I could sacrifice it. But in the New Testament, it's this daily progressive sanctification. Sanctification is to be set apart, is to do something different for the Lord. Now, you can do that in a number of ways because it's asking for your body. I can sanctify time for the Lord. I can sanctify money for the Lord. All of that can be set apart for the Lord because it's attached to my body. And so that's what he's calling us to do. That time is probably the most precious, as you know. Daily, finding out who the Lord is, takes that iniquity of the ball and puts it back to the target where it's supposed to be. And that's what Paul is saying. It's come back, come back to the line, come back to what the Lord's plan was for us. And I think also... We daily forget our hearts and our mind. I think you kind of see that weird-looking drawing off in the corner. I think daily our hearts and our minds forget who Christ is for us. You see that in the Bible. Again, I'm, I, a lot of this was inspired. I, I, I'm reading the Bible chronologically with my, my parents, and we're in Leviticus, and it is hard trudge to go through Leviticus. It's 
do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. Sacrifice this, go here and do this. It's a lot of orders. And, and it's just like, why would you need that? If you saw a pillar of fire come from the sky and, and lay out in front of you, would you really, really need some, some rules? Would you not just stand up and do what the Lord has? That's Old Testament. New Testament, today, you have had an interaction with the Holy Spirit. You have Christ living in you. Don't you just need that? Is that just all you need? Now, we need a daily reminder of who Christ is so, at the end, that we'll be able to know Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Not know the mind of God, all right? For instance, if I knew the mind of God, I could say, well, Fred, you're actually supposed to sit where Nancy is, and Nancy's there, and you're actually supposed to be wearing a red shirt, not a green shirt. That's the, the mind of knowing all of what God wants. That's not what it's saying. A lot of times people get that messed up. It's knowing assurance that what you are doing is under God's umbrella of what he wants for you. Your daily things, your daily activities, as you go from here to there, preaching, teaching, living, it's under the umbrella of God's will. I always like these slides when I'm sitting in the back. So what do you mean, Stephen? What are we supposed to do? Time and money, that's not it. That's a piece of it, but it's a daily progressive sanctification. It's a daily giving. And I was talking to my wife this morning. My body is not my own. My body is, you see half of me. My wife is my other half. I sanctify my wife. I sanctify that relationship. I give that to God. My boys are a part of me. I sanctify my boys. So it's not just this easy like, okay, I'll give two hours here, and then God will give me two hours of blessing. It's not how that works. It's this daily trying to get back to the line that the Lord has through, through reading the Bible, through praying, through corporate prayer, through corporate worship, brings us back to the plan that the Lord has for us. It's not saying do nothing, and it's not saying be a martyr. So often we feel, oh, I, just, I need to do everything. No, 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 no. That's not necessarily God's will. It's good to do things. It's good to help out orphans and widowers. It's good to help the poor. But that may not be what Christ's will is for you. If you continue reading, which is your homework, um, I'll have Fred check it later. Uh, if you read into the rest of Romans 12, it then talks about the body of Christ. This is not meant to be done alone. The Lord's will for you is different than it is for you, which is different for you. Now, I, I know Fred's going to be happy to get a bunch of calls tomorrow saying, Fred, I know God's will in my life. I know I need to be doing this. Please don't do that. Or vice versa. Lord, Fred, I don't need to do this, 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 
to be a part of God's will because God doesn't have me that. I know there are things that I can do really, really well for the Lord, and that's what I am meant to do. It's not meant to. It can, but not meant to be this draining of your soul. I don't feel that's worship. I don't feel like, oh, God, do I have to do this again? It should be something that you are excited, burning to do. That is the will of the Lord, or at least how I see it. You should stand out. You should be different. It's do not conform to the world. I should be able to see you in your day-to-day life. Why do you do that? Why are you honest when, you, when everybody else is not being honest? Why are you being honest? Why are you showing a love to that jerk? That, if you hurt me, I should hurt you. But it's not saying that. It says don't conform to that. Don't set your minds to that. Uh, we do this together, not alone. And I'll leave you with mercy fuels. God is who's transforming And all we have to do is obey. So thank you very much for your time today. I'm going to invite the uh, worship team back up here. Didn't give you a whole lot of time. Make sure you're playing really well, Pat. I'm listening. (laughs) Thank you.